uh, today we have come to the end of 1 Timothy chapter 6. So we'll try to wrap up uh, chapter 6, the remaining uh, seven verses, then go back and see some of the thoughts that we have already seen uh, to review on what we have done. So in verses 13 and 14, we see uh, what was the charge uh, given to Timothy. And we also read about the witness uh, of Jesus and also uh, what is it that the Lord quickens or brings to life. So we can see that in 15 and 16, uh, we see uh, why Jesus must be exalted and worshipped. And 17 and 18, uh, we saw that uh, why love of money is the root of all evils. And in 17 and 18, we see one more charge uh, that is given to the rich uh, in terms of what uh, they should do uh, with their riches. And the uh, 1 Timothy ends in verses 19 and 20 and the final charge uh, that is given to Timothy. And we will close with that. So we'll start by reading uh, verse 13 and 14, uh, where we see that the charge uh, that is given to Timothy is reinforced. And we also read about the witness of Jesus and what is it that the Lord brings to life or quickens. Okay, so here we see in verse 13, uh, Paul is writing to Timothy. He says, I give thee charge uh, in the sight of God. So we see that whenever Paul is uh, giving the charge, uh, he's making it clear that he is giving that charge uh, under the authority of God. And that is how we began uh, the 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, where it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, uh, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and Lord Jesus Christ, uh, who is our hope. So this charge that is given to Timothy, uh, it's not being given uh, arbitrarily, or it is not being directed by Paul, but it is something that God, that is coming from God himself. So it is something that he must uh, take uh, seriously. So the charge is given in the presence of God uh, and Jesus. And as we have seen in the previous uh, section, the charge uh, that was given to Timothy was that uh, he must defend uh, the purity of the gospel, and he must also proclaim uh, the sound doctrine, and he must uh, amend uh, some of the uh, doctrinal weaknesses that have crept uh, into that church, and he must uh, uh, defend that sound doctrine. And it also speaks about his conduct, uh, that he should be without spot and he should be blameless. And that is important for anyone uh, who's uh, proclaiming the word or conveying the message. Uh, the message uh, messenger should also be without spot and blameless uh, beyond the message itself. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, 4 through 12, uh, we saw that uh, he should flee uh, certain things and he should follow uh, certain things and he should fight uh, the good fight. That is where we ended last week. And the length uh, of the mission is that he should keep it uh, until the Lord returns or he is uh, called to glory. So the mission that is given to him uh, is not like a one-time thing, but it is something that should continue uh, till the Lord returns, or he is called to glory. And we also read in verse 13 that I give thee charge in the sight of God, uh, who quickens uh, all things. So quickens, uh, the word uh, means uh, bringing to life. And we know that God uh, is the source of life, uh, right from the book of Genesis, where we read about uh, natural life. Uh, as we read in Genesis 2.7, and the Lord God found man of the dust of the ground and breathed 
uh, into his nostrils uh, the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So God is the source uh, of natural life. And also uh, everything that we see around us uh, is also created by God. Again, if you go back to Genesis and other passages, as we read in Psalm 33, 6, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. And in Ephesians uh, 2, 1, uh, Paul talks about uh, spiritual life uh, that is also brought about uh, by the work uh, that was done at the cross uh, through Christ. And you hath he quickened uh, who were dead uh, in trespasses and sins. And John 20, 22, it speaks about the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it says, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. So we see that God is the source of every good and perfect gift uh, in our life. Uh, he is the source of the natural life. But more importantly, he is also the source uh, of spiritual life. And in verse 13, uh, he points to the witness uh, of Jesus and before Jesus Christ, who before Pontius Pilate uh, witnessed uh, a good uh, confession. So this is a good verse uh, that we see in John 18 and verse 37. It says, Pilate uh, therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, uh, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end uh, was I born, and for this cause I came into the world, that I should bear witness uh, unto the truth. So that is a witness that Lord Jesus Christ had, uh, even in public. Uh, he is proclaiming uh, the purpose uh, for which he was born, the purpose for which uh, he came into the world, uh, which is to bear witness uh, of the truth. And everyone that is of the truth uh, heareth my voice. And that is uh, should be our witness also. Uh, we have also been created uh, and brought into this world uh, with a specific purpose. And we also need to bear witness uh, unto the truth, uh, truth of the gospel, and the truth of the sound doctrine that Paul is exhorting uh, Timothy. And in verses uh, 15 through 16, uh, we read about uh, some of the qualities of Jesus, which tells us why uh, he is worthy of our worship. So he is the uh, blessed one. Uh, he is the only potent or all-powerful one. And he is also the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Uh, even as we read in Revelation 17 and 14. And he is also uh, immortal, or and which means no death. But we also are reminded uh, of the promise that the believers, people who are born again are believers, uh, they also will not taste uh, the second death. So in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 53, 54, it says, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, uh, death is swallowed up uh, in victory. So we see that uh, even believers, uh, they will not be subject uh, to the second death, but those who are born and do not uh, confess their sins, uh, they will uh, die the second death. So death uh, is also swallowed up in victory uh, because of the work uh, that was done at the cross 
and by putting our trust uh, in Lord Jesus Christ as our personal savior, uh, we are also given the same promise that we will put on immortality. And he dwells in unapproachable, uh, glorious light. And we know that God was revealed uh, in Lord Jesus Christ, uh, as we read in Colossians 1, but no man has seen God uh, with visible eyes. And to him belongs honor and everlasting power. Verse uh, 16 and 17, uh, we read about the final charge uh, that is given uh, to the rich. So last week we saw uh, that in verse 6, that godliness uh, with contentment uh, is great gain. Uh, and we said, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we will carry nothing out. And verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil. So in verse 16 and 17, uh, we read about the final charge that is given to the rich and what they must do with their riches. Okay, so here the charge uh, that is given to the rich is that they should not be proud uh, or look down on those uh, who are poor. And, and we see that in the, in the world, that those who are rich, uh, they tend to be proud because they feel uh, they have more uh, than everyone else. And they tend to look down on people uh, who may not have the same status or who may not have the same riches or the same uh, privileges. But here uh, we are given the instruction that even if we are rich, uh, we should still be humble and we should still treat uh, everyone as equals. And also those who are rich, uh, they tend to become uh, independent because they feel that they can trust uh, in their riches uh, to get through life. But here we are reminded that even if you are rich, uh, we should not trust uh, in the riches that can go away uh, anytime, but we should trust uh, in the living God. And Proverbs uh, 23, 5 reminds us, for riches uh, certainly make themselves wings. Uh, they fly away as an eagle uh, toward heaven. So no matter how rich uh, we are, the riches can be taken away uh, at any time. Uh, so that is why we need to put our trust uh, in living God who is with us all time. And also, as we read elsewhere, that riches by itself uh, is not a sign of God's favor uh, because we find that many sinners are also rich. So just because we are rich, we should not feel that God's favor is on our life. Uh, that is not the case. And we need to recognize that God is the source uh, of all riches. And finally, uh, we need to use uh, the riches that we have, have or the wealth that has been given to us or the surplus uh, that we have uh, to be uh, rich in good works, uh, to help others and to be generous and to share the riches that we have. And this is a quote from John Wesley. He says, do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you can. So that reminds us of the second commandment, to love our neighbors as ourselves. Uh, if that is the case, uh, we would be more compassionate and we would put our riches uh, to good use, uh, which is to help those uh, who are in need. Last two verses, uh, we see the final charge uh, that is given to Timothy. Okay, so here uh, Timothy is exhausted to keep uh, certain things and to avoid certain things. So he needs to keep uh, or he needs to guard 
or he needs to protect, or he needs to be a good steward of what has been given to him. And what was given to Timothy was the sound doctrine uh, that we read about before. And in the same way, what was given to Paul, we read in uh, chapter 1, verse 11, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed uh, to my trust. In the same way, uh, Paul is uh, committing the sound doctrine uh, to, to the trust of Timothy, and he, he has the responsibility of keeping it or guarding it or protecting it. So he needs to protect the sound doctrine from any kind of uh, adulteration uh, that is being caused by false teachers of that day. So that is what he needs to keep. And Paul exhorts him at the end that he needs to avoid uh, idle talks or he needs to avoid uh, any kind of knowledge uh, that is disguised uh, as truth. So even today we see that uh, knowledge is always uh, exalted, but oftentimes that knowledge is not really truth. Uh, as we see with many cults, uh, with many of the views that come out of the scientific uh, community, and also all kinds of liberal views that we see in today's society, which is oftentimes uh, disguised uh, as knowledge, uh, but it actually takes us uh, away from God, and it is not based on uh, truth. So any revelation that is uh, apart from the truth uh, of the Bible uh, would be considered a lie, and it would lead us uh, astray from faith, uh, even as we saw last week uh, in the context of false teaching. So that is where uh, this book ends. Uh, it says, uh, grace be with thee. And all of us uh, needs, need God's grace. Uh, it is by grace uh, that we are saved. and uh, It is by grace uh, that we are sustained on a daily basis. So that's a good verse to end on. And after 1 Timothy, we, I was thinking of the, the chronological order in which uh, Paul wrote the epistles, uh, as we saw so 1 Timothy was written uh, towards the end of Paul's life. But before Paul wrote uh, 2 Timothy, uh, he wrote the book of Titus. Uh, so when we go to the book of Titus, we see many uh, similarities uh, in terms of the exhortation uh, that Paul is giving Titus. So, so after ending 1 Timothy, we will take up uh, Titus. Then after that, we will go to 2 Timothy. So there are three chapters in Titus. And once we are done with that, we'll come back to 2 Timothy. So we went through 1 Timothy. We learned uh, many things uh, in terms of the charge uh, that was given to Timothy. Uh, we talked about the sound doctrine versus devil's doctrine. Uh, we talked about the glorious gospel. We talked about how we need to pray for leaders, the role of women in church, and what qualifies someone to serve uh, as a deacon or as an elder, and the mystery of godliness. Uh, we talked about the relationships in church and healthy life and double honor for elders. And in chapter six, we talked about the secret uh, of satisfaction and how we need to fight the good fight. So we'll just take a minute or so and go through uh, each one of them very quickly. And then take any views or any observations. So this was the charge uh, given to Timothy that he needs to uphold uh, the sound doctrine and to correct 
any false teachings uh, that was creeping into Ephesus. And the false teaching was coming, uh, not from the people, but from the elders themselves. So we see that false teaching had entered and Paul was giving a charge uh, to Timothy to make those corrections. And when we think of sound doctrine, uh, uh, in a broad way, broad sense, uh, it could refer to the teaching of Jesus, but oftentimes we associate the sound doctrine uh, with the teaching of the apostles, but uh, anything in the word of God is an inspired word of God. So in that sense, it is also a sound doctrine or sound teaching. So anytime we teach and practice a sound doctrine, uh, it will bring uh, order to church, and it will also equip us uh, for godliness. Uh, it will bring purity to our love. Uh, it will help us to grow strong uh, in our faith, and it will help us to cultivate uh, a good conscience uh, as opposed to a seared uh, conscience or a guilty conscience. So that is why we often go back to Acts 2.42, and we remind ourselves of the first church, uh, which continued uh, steadfastly in apostles' doctrine and which led to much blessing. And uh, Jesus himself uh, speaks about uh, doctrine. So in Luke 4.32, uh, it says, and they were astonished uh, at his doctrine uh, for his word was with power. And in John 7.16, Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine is not mine, but his uh, that uh, sent me. So we see that uh, sound doctrine uh, comes with power. And it comes with power because uh, it comes from, comes from God himself. But when the doctrine is uh, coming from man, uh, it does not have any power, but it leads to uh, destruction and it leads to losses in our life. That is why we need to remain faithful to sound doctrine, because uh, sound doctrine has life, uh, it has power, and it would lead to much uh, blessing. And when we read uh, went through the book of Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 32, verse 1 and 2, it says, Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth, my doctrine shall drop uh, as the rain. So when we think of sound doctrine, uh, we can think of it in a broad sense, that the inspired word of God that is coming from God himself uh, is the totality of doctrine uh, that we need to consider uh, when we are making choices in life and when we are looking for direction in our life. Uh, we need to look at the Bible as a whole and see what it tells us. And the devil's uh, doctrine uh, is something that is taught uh, by false teachers. And we talked about that last week. And within the book of 1 Timothy, we saw that false teachers, they were forbidding uh, people to get married or the, or the widows to remarry. And they were falsely teaching that we should abstain from meat and so on. So there are many ways uh, in which the false teachers uh, lead people astray by using uh, deception and by appealing to the flesh rather than appealing to the spirit. So that's why we need to be always on guard and we need to be well-versed uh, with what the Bible says so that we are able to identify false teachers. And when we come across false teachers, as we were reminded, uh, we need to simply run away 
uh, rather than trying to have a dialogue or trying to survive. In 1 Timothy 1.11, it speaks about the glorious uh, gospel. And what makes the gospel glorious? Uh, uh, It's that it brings to end uh, all the sacrifices uh, that were made in the Old Testament. Uh, It brings to end uh, any kind of works uh, that we can do uh, to earn favors from God. So we are reminded that our salvation is uh, only by faith and it is only by the grace of God. So it brings uh, righteousness to sinners. So no matter how uh, deep uh, we might be in sin, uh, no matter how far we have drifted away from God, uh, through the glorious gospel and by exercising faith, uh, we are able to set right our relationship with God. So the glorious gospel also reveals uh, the glory of God and it reveals the glorious plan that God had for mankind by sending Lord Jesus Christ uh, to die on the cross uh, for our sins. And it is that glorious gospel that was committed uh, to Paul in 111. And that is what Paul faithfully uh, delivered uh, till the end of his life. Uh, He was faithful uh, in preaching the gospel and strengthening uh, the believers. And Timothy was given the same chart to, as we just read today. So the same uh, glorious gospel Uh, is committed uh, to each one of us. So we need to preserve the gospel uh, in our heart uh, and we need to take it uh, to the sinners uh, in this world. And that would be, that is how we would fulfill uh, the Great Commission and be faithful to it. And we are in chapter two, we saw that we need to pray for the leaders uh, of the country and uh, because that is pleasing to God and that would bring peace And most importantly, uh, we need to pray uh, that the leaders uh, may be saved and they would be, they may have the salvation experience. And the application we saw is that uh, we need to pray for all the leaders, uh, starting with the president, but we also need to pray uh, for our own uh, supervisors, uh, for our own bosses uh, who are uh, leading us so that we also might enjoy peace And more importantly, uh, we might be able to impart uh, the glorious gospel uh, even to our supervisors. And in 2.5, we saw that Jesus Christ is the only mediator uh, between God and man. And in the second part of chapter 2, Paul talks about women uh, in mixed settings or mixed uh, congregation where men are also present. And he... uh, tells us that women uh, should not lead prayers uh, or teach. Uh, Women should dress uh, modestly. Uh, But when we look at the scriptures, we see that the submission of women uh, at church uh, and at home, uh, it is part of God's uh, divine order. But it does not mean that the women have lower value or lower intellect or lower talent. The Bible is clear that both men and women are equal but they are given different roles uh, according to God's uh, divine order. And by doing that, uh, men and women, uh, they are able to complement each other and they are able to live a life of interdependence. So whatever the man is weak at, the women could be strong in that. And by doing that, they are able to complement each other. And that is how God established uh, the divine order. 
But at the same time, for women's uh, ministry, we saw that the women can teach uh, children and they can also mentor uh, other women, uh, especially the older women. Uh, they are exhorted to mentor the younger women and to be with them in their journey of faith. And we're not going to go through this, but in uh, chapter three, we saw the qualifications of elders and deacons uh, in verses one through 13. So we saw a long list uh, for both the elders uh, and the deacons. Uh, but for the most part, we saw that the focus uh, was on character uh, more than anything else. It speaks about good behavior, being hospitable, not alcoholic, uh, patient, not covetous, and so on. So many of these qualities or majority of qualities that we see uh, focus on the character. So we see that the character of the person uh, is very important uh, when they are serving the Lord. Uh, in the local church or whether they are serving the Lord uh, elsewhere, uh, we need to be careful about the character of the person. And chapter 3, verse 16, uh, Paul speaks about the mystery uh, of godliness. And obviously, it is no longer uh, a mystery for us because it has been revealed to us uh, through the scriptures and through the inspired word of God. So he speaks about Christ being manifest in flesh justified in spirit, uh, seen of angels, preached unto Gentiles, believed in the world, and received up uh, into glory. So all of these events, uh, they capture the life of Christ, uh, which is no longer a mystery for us, uh, because it's been revealed to us. And in chapter 4 and chapter 5, we saw that for a healthy life, uh, we need to prioritize a spiritual exercise, uh, over physical exercise. So it doesn't say that we should not take care of our health or we should not be physically active or do exercise, but it says uh, we need to prioritize uh, spiritual exercise because that has uh, eternal value, whereas physical exercise, uh, it has value only in this world. So in that sense, uh, it's temporary. And we need to eat uh, healthy, uh, as we saw the false teachers, uh, they were forbidding uh, eating certain foods. But the Bible does not put uh, any restrictions on what we can eat, uh, except the blood, which we should not drink, because life is uh, in the blood, but everything else is permitted. And it is also common sense that we should eat uh, in moderation uh, what we need. And we talked about wine, uh, where Timothy was uh, told that he should take wine uh, uh, little wine for his sickness, but at the same time, we talked about some of the risks uh, of drinking wine. So the general recommendation is that we should avoid uh, the danger uh, of sipping alcohol because uh, even the taste uh, of alcohol, uh, it can become a habit and habit then becomes an addiction and that can bring a lot of damage, a lot of spiritual damage uh, in our life. So we need to prioritize a spiritual exercise. And if this uh, drinking of wine, if it takes us away from that, then obviously it is not a good decision. And in 1 Timothy 4, 12, uh, Paul speaks about uh, Timothy, that he should be an example uh, in conduct and character, uh, in the way he speaks or in conversation. Uh, he should be an example in love, uh, in spirit, in faithfulness, 
and also in purity. And 416 is an important one that our life must uh, mirror our doctrine. Uh, so we might be reading much uh, from the Bible. Uh, we might be preaching uh, from the Bible, but it's important that we practice uh, what we preach and we do what we say. And if you don't do that, then obviously we are like the hypocrites that uh, Jesus often condemned uh, in the New Testament. For example, in Matthew 23, 27, he says, uh, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, uh, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited uh, sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within uh, full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness. So obviously we can impress others. Uh, we can impress uh, people with outward things. But God is always uh, looking at our heart. So even though the scribes and Pharisees, uh, they might have been doing all the right things, but when God looks at their heart, he says that uh, you're simply uh, a whited sepulcher, but inside uh, you're full of uncleanness and dead man's bones. So that is why we should practice uh, what we preach. And as we are talking about sound doctrine, uh, our lifestyle should be reflecting the sound doctrine and not the doctrine of the world or the doctrine of the devils. And we talked about the relationships uh, in church uh, in verse chapter 5, uh, where it speaks about uh, we need to respect uh, older men and we also need to respect older women and we need to treat uh, younger women uh, as sisters and younger men as brothers. And we also saw that we need to take care of widows uh, who do not have any support uh, system uh, in their life. Uh, they should be taken care of by the church. And if the widows are young, uh, we saw that they should be uh, encouraged uh, to remarry or to find a means of support, a means of work so that they can support uh, themselves. And in five, Chapter 5, 17 and 18, uh, we talked about double honor uh, for the elders. So that could refer to the respect uh, that should be given to the elders of a church. And the second honor could be the financial support. Uh, if, the, if they are full-time ministers and they don't have any means uh, to support themselves. And we saw this uh, last week, uh, the secret of satisfaction in life. So we know that uh, everyone in this world uh, is looking for satisfaction uh, at the end, and they try to find satisfaction in uh, all kinds of things. But we see that they are always uh, disappointed uh, because uh, these two things uh, are often missing uh, in their life. And even in case of believers, uh, we see that oftentimes uh, they are not satisfied because uh, they are not pursuing godliness and they are not content uh, with uh, what they have. But in Philippians uh, 4, 11 through 13, uh, we see the great uh, example of Paul. Uh, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, uh, therewith uh, to be content. So that is a great uh, statement that no matter what state uh, Paul was, and we know that Paul went through many uh, challenges, uh, many difficulties uh, in his life, but he's able to write that in whatever state he was, uh, he was uh, content. I know both how to be abased 
and I know how to be a bond uh, everywhere and in all things. I am instructed uh, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Uh, I can do all things uh, through Christ, uh, which uh, strengtheneth me. So it is only in Christ that we can find uh, that contentment. And that is the message of the sound doctrine that we need to pursue godliness. And when we pursue godliness, uh, we will also find contentment. Uh, we will find satisfaction uh, in life uh, through Christ. And we saw this also last week, which is the illusion of money. Uh, we saw that love of money uh, is the root of all evils. And that is what we see in this world. Uh, people who are greedy uh, for money, they also commit uh, many sins. Uh, there is a lot of corruption uh, in their dealings. Uh, they are jealous of others, uh, even though they may be rich. Uh, they are jealous of people who are richer than them. And they might uh, rob in many ways. They may uh, commit theft uh, in many ways in the way they do their uh, papers or do deal with money. Uh, they might commit murder to gain more, or they would be dishonest uh, in their dealings. They could be selfish because they want to keep uh, accumulating uh, rather than sharing. And they oftentimes uh, tend to be workaholics uh, because they are using all of their time uh, to make uh, more and more money. So Paul warns us that the love of money leads to many sorrows and it leads to many losses uh, in our spiritual life. And that is what we see oftentimes when people are pursuing money uh, over Christ. Uh, eventually it leads to many sorrows and losses. And there comes a time uh, when it is too late uh, to recover the time uh, that has been lost. So that's a warning we need to take to heart that to set our priorities right. And as we read today, that if we are rich, uh, we should be mindful of those who are in need and we should uh, distribute or we should share uh, to the needy. And we need to fight uh, the good fight, as he says in uh, 6.12. Uh, we need to defend uh, the faith. Uh, we need to stand uh, for the truth, uh, no matter what the outcome may be, uh, no matter what kind of persecutions we face, uh, we still need to stand for the truth and defend the faith and we need to persevere uh, till the end. And that's where 1 Timothy ended, uh, 621. Uh, grace be with thee. Amen.